In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Then Mars face evil's Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 501. What? Woohoo! We made it. That's right. And that woohoo is for Chad, wherever yeah. he may be. Yeah, you know, Mark, we're going to be talking a lot about legacy tonight. And when I think of legacy, I can't help but think of the I don't know, three or four months or something that Chad has been enriching our lives on this show. I know it just kind of see on one level, it seemed like an eternity, but another level, it just kind of seems like you're right. It's like uh, you put you put all that stuff together and it's like, wow, it's like it just seems it's like it's like a Thanos snap. You know, it's like a it's like a blip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you you just you can't you can't undersell or oversell or whichever is the good one. <laughs> the the value of his contribution to the show. Yeah, I, I can't really think of a list of the things he did, but I'm sh- but they were they were great. They were great, and they were definitely happened. And it's over. <laughs> uh, well, we 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 don't want to get too maudlin on this, and we don't want to get too 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 sentimental about this, considering. But the deal is, Chad's taking a leave of absence. That's probably the best way to put it. Uh. His contractual obligation to our show is officially in quotes. I'm doing air bunnies, but you can't see it. They've ended. So Chad's kind of like playing the field. He's being, he wants to see what other opportunities are out there. So we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but Chad's Chad, but Chad will be pursuing other opportunities if they arise. Uh, he's going to keep us up to date, which doesn't. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how the wind blows. Uh, Much like the only person who didn't survive Dark Crisis was Green Arrow. The only retcon made by the event was Chad Bokelman. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of appropriate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as we'll talk Dark Crisis, that, that, that is, that is an interesting analogy. So because of that, again, we don't know what the future holds, but we did put together a little, not to be too sentimental, but, we didn't want to be too tear jerky, but we put together a little highlight packages, a package, I should say, of Chad's finest moments on the show. So, so roll it, roll it. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman, and this is the Lantern Cast. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, talk to you later. What did you think, Dan? I'm I'm gonna need a a copy of that to listen to every day to kind of get get my day started r- properly. Yeah, you know it's kind of hard to sum up somebody's podcasting career in, in a clip, but we tried to do the best. We tried to do the best we could. 
I mean, in a clip, yes. In a in a uh, supermarket greeting card, probably. <laughs> it's true. That's, that that is true, and it's like, a, and it's it's like, how do you how do you summarize your like your working relationship with someone who you've been working with for close to ten years? And well, good luck, Chad. Now on on now we can move on to the uh, depressing stuff, which is Dark Crisis. The hey, you should be celebrating. It's the end of Dark Crisis. We were putting Dark Crisis to bed. Yes. I'm, I mean, if you want, if you wanted to stretch this out, we could turn this into four separate episodes because we're doing, we're covering the finale of Dark Crisis, which is issue seven, as well as three of the most recent one shots: Dark Crisis, Dark Army, Dark Crisis, Warzone, and Dark Crisis, Big Bang. Not in that order. Yeah, but luckily we will not be dragging this out any longer than than one episode. Uh, hopefully not a, a ginormously long episode. There's, I mean, we're doing we're doing four times the number of issues, but there's not a whole lot to say about three of them, so I think this will be fine. And plus, uh, you are you are the expert at doing quick, succinct summaries, so that so that makes life so much easier. But I did look I did look at all of these one shots, and yes, we'll talk about them. Not some. Some were more interesting than others and for different reasons, but all right, Dan. That's the... And at least one of them should have happened in the main miniseries, but we'll get to that. Yes. So starting off, Dark Crisis, The Dark Army. We got the team of Damian Wayne, Robin, Power Girl, Dr. Light, Sideways, and newcomer Red Canary, who go out into the multiverse in search of a way to cut off Deathstroke's control of the Dark Army. What they find is Justice Incarnate, the multiversal Justice League that hasn't been seen or mentioned since they supposedly died <laughs> with the regular Justice. Mark, I will tell you right now, I had no interest in reading this book until I found out that, that it did this. <laughs> I did think about I did think of you when when they when they mentioned that, because it was one of those things, you know, Dan's right. Are they ever going to tie, tie this back in? Oh, my God. I was so happy they're alive. Anyway, uh, instead of being put into happiness prisons like the other league, Priya infected them with the darkness and sent them on a mission to find the Orrery of Worlds, the device used by the monitors to visualize and, you know, monitor the known multiverse. If someone infected with the darkness can manage to enter the Orrery, they can infect the entire multiverse at once. But Dr. Light be- beats them to it. She enters the Orrery herself, and in doing so, comes to understand the true nature of her powers, which she got from the Monitor back in Crisis on Infinite Earths. She doesn't have, she doesn't just have light powers. She's connected to the light of creation, and is thus able to free the members of the Ju- of Justice Incarnate from their chains before all of the heroes go to the Hall of Justice to help battle the Dark Army. But she's not a White Lantern, unfortunately, because it sounds like she should be. She is like there's so many like she is as far as I I understand it she is drawing power from the same source that birthed the life entity as like I think that's what that means because they they use the whole they linger on the whole like uh the big bang the uh the uh, I I lost the panel but it's where like it's the it's the the darkness is first being kind of split by the light and they're like, and the darkness screamed out and the light, whatever. It's the same metaphor we saw used when this, like during black as night, when they showed like the birth of the light in the universe as pertaining to the life entity. But yeah, the end of, of dark crisis seven 
shows us that, oh yeah, Dr. Light's out there figuring out her powers. So hopefully we'll see more of this from her. That that character literally has been around since the first crisis and has gotten so little use and just got a new costume for, I think, the first time ever. Like, is criminal how underused this character is? Yeah, I think. And to me, it's still hard to think of Dr. Light as a chick and a positive character as opposed to the dirtbag character that we're used to seeing. Well, that's, that's the other thing. Like, like think about how often superheroes change their name and costume. And it's been, she's been around since 1985. She's been using the costume and name of a dumbass supervillain the entire time. Like, why? Like, I'm, they, they adjusted her costume here. I don't really like the mask. It looks kind of weird, but hey, at least she's spinning off in a different direction a little bit. Uh, and also considering what she's going to do in the final issue of the story, her getting this upgrade and going into the thing seems like a really important moment that should have happened in the main book. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just glad we have all of Justice Incarnate back and in the fray again. I just, I, it drives me crazy that they ignore them for so long. Yeah, there's a lot of that in, in this series, I think, overall. Yeah. The only, only other thing I really have to say about this issue is, you know, I, I genuinely, like something they do a lot in Dark Crisis overall is they temporarily make small teams of characters that in another context and written better would be awesome. Like this team of heroes that, that goes off into the multiverse. It's interesting. And it's, it's got a variety and a spread of characters that you wouldn't normally think of putting together. And it could be cool. They, this, I, I think I, I forgot to write down the creative team for most of these, but this issue was, was written and drawn by too many people and it wasn't consistent and their banter was annoying. But, and for some reason they, waffle back and forth from drawing Damien as a child and as a 37 year old college <laughs> dropout. So I don't know. I don't know. Like this is a team I would love to see revisited by a completely different creative team. Yeah. I'm not a as we've stated before on this show, I tend not to be a big fan of these books that have 8,000 different writers and or artists jammed in, especially the artists. So that so the the flow is different from not only from story to story, but sometimes from every two pages to every two yeah. pages. Although I will say they did they did do the thing, they did the thing that I love, which is they assigned a different artist to draw the other Earth. Like each Earth is given its own artist here, basically. I think what was it like J.H. Uh, Williams the third or something drew like the first part and then it jumped over to like some more like hyper realistic art style once they got to the the new world it's just like they didn't the art on the new world wasn't that like good and it didn't like fit the characters at all thanks for trying <laughs> yeah all right, all right should we should we go over to Warzone? go for it at least right, there's Dark- some at least there's some green lantern stuff in this one yeah Whether it's I... good green lantern stuff is debatable but it's ah, it's, it's... It's present. It's like 10 pages. Right, anyway, so Dark Crisis War Zone. So this is an anthology with four stories happening in the middle of the big fight outside the Hall of Justice. 
You got Iris and Linda ra- uh, raiding the Hall's panic room and using all the weapons stashed there to get some kids to safety. Also, Linda has speed powers now. Go read The Flash. Uh, Jim... <laughs> Jim Corrigan remerges himself with the Spectre to stop its rampage and break it free from the darkness. He succeeds in neutralizing the Spectre, but he's not in control, and the best he was able to do was remove the Spectre from the fight entirely. Black Canary stumbles across Red Canary, on uh, who who is one of her fans who was motivated to carry on the legacy upon hearing Black Canary died. Uh, It's a nice moment and the kind of interaction you always hope to have when you meet one of your heroes. Then we've got an eight-page Green Lantern story written by Matthew Rosenberg with pencils and inks by George uh, Cambadius, colors by Matt Hermes, Herms, and letters by Troy Pettery. Uh, The Green Lantern Corps is trying to hold back the army of shadow demons. And Joe is convinced they'll be overwhelmed if they don't fall back and regroup. But Guy tells her that losing ground now would just guarantee more losses. And the only choice is to dig in and get it done. Guy's words motivate Joe, who then gives a speech that inspires the other lanterns to give it their all and push the shadow demons back. And it ends on the funny note of Guy revealing that he was just bullshitting and thought they were all going to die. Yeah, didn't hated the artwork in this one. Yeah, it it was kind of all over the place. I think it, it was it was especially noticeable with like the when they would do like an extreme perspective on somebody like from like a really dramatic camera angle that just has like one of their legs going like super far into the foreground. Yeah, I think that's 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 a good way of a good point of if you had to zero in. Just it, a lot a lot of awkwardness. It's a lot of in a way it's a lot of dead space too. I mean they they use color, but there's not a lot going on. I've, I've seen this artist do a bunch of covers recently for books like Spider-Man or The Flash. And what's funny is like this kind of like hyper stylized, distorted anatomy works really well when you're portraying a character in like extreme motion, like Spider-Man or The Flash. But for like a Green Lantern who's just sort of hovering there, (laughs) it's 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 like overtly exaggerated to a point that doesn't really help anything no i mean and the the story the story was cool except again in a way to me this is well we gotta we joe's the next big thing so we gotta make joe special in this as opposed to i mean it seemed like it was on one level was going to be like guy who was it was it almost seemed like it was being set up where this was going to be kind of a guy story it is somewhat a guy story, but she kind of like hijacks the story halfway through. And then and then it's like uh, even at even at the end when she's still trying to give guys some credit, it's like, hey, don't give me any credit because, hey, you know, I was talking. It's like uh, you're the one who basically finished the job. And I'm the one who's like, like you said, it's like I never I never really thought this was going to work. It's like, I don't know. It was, it was an awkward thing because the their arc here is guy motivates Joe and then Joe motivates everybody else why like why couldn't it have just been okay guy like joe wants to fall back guy tells her why it's a bad idea guy motivates her and everyone else we get inside joe's head a little bit as she's like she's one of the group trot like struggling to to hold the line and then after after like some intense work it works out and then they can have their exchange like exactly the same way like it just it seems so odd to have them both do the same thing one after the other. Yes, it, I I agree with 
And I think exactly exactly what you said is true, that if this if you're if you're if you're writing a story objectively based on who who is who is character A, who is character B, what's their position, how long have they been around, what's their status in in this in the group that they're in, that and, and you don't have any other agendas, then the story you're saying the structure makes is the way it should have gone. Because Guy absolutely should be the one. And even the way I mean even the way they happen to making like guy like fawn over her a little bit. Like, oh, I heard all these things about you. Or you. It's like, I don't know. It, 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 this is to me, the story is okay, but it's another example of DC wants to push Joe. So they have to make Joe look better than, than almost everybody else special. And so even having guy have to like, he has his moment, but then at the end of the day, well, yeah, that, you know, she basically takes what he did, kicks it up a notch. And then guy has to admit, well, you do. Hey man, this is all you because I, you know, at the end of the day, this was really all you. And I would, just, it lost, it lost me, it lost me at the, at the end because that just seems like they gotta, that's what they want. And I like Joe, but it seems like once again, it's kind of like you have to build up by tearing down at the same time. And it seems like they have to. We know, I mean, we know Guy has historically been easy to be cannon fodder, even though it's more annoying when that happens now because Guy is a much different character than he was like in in the eighties and the nineties early 90s so it's kind of harder to see him getting crapped on and oh he you know he he doesn't have the will to do this and he's being surrounded by all these shadow demon things but oh but joe can come in and say yeah please but at least it was a green lantern story again yep all right what you got oh now it's time now is the main now it's the main course the main event dark crisis on infinite earths number seven Written by Joshua Williamson, and he brought a whole Justice League with him this time because we got art by <laughs> Daniel Semper, Jack Herbert, Giuseppe Clemencoli, Cam Smith, and Rafa Sandoval. Colors by Alejandro uh, Gumerez. That's probably wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Romulo Ferrado Jr. and Matt Hermes. Letters by Tom Napolitano. So... At least that lane was close to being "quote unquote" normal. <laughs> it's like, can't you hire some guy named Smith, you bastard? <laughs> hey, all hey, r- full respect for the letterer. He is the only one holding this down by himself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, outside the Hall of Justice, Black Adam swallows his pride and shares his power with every hero there, making them immune to the darkness while also giving them a power boost, meaning that this is their best chance at defeating the Dark Army. The massive burst of magic lightning also drove the darkness out of Deathstroke, but he'd already managed to infect Nightwing, who's struggling internally against it as the chains continue to envelop him. While that's going on, the Flash family is racing at top speed across the multiverse, trying to stabilize the vibrations of all the new Earths created by Pariah, basically trying to use the Speed Force to stitch the two multiverses together into one big thing that can safely continue to exist. Uh, The problem is that the darkness is continuing to spread and it keeps undoing all of their work until Dr. Light joins them and filters their speed through the light of creation, allowing the Flash family to basically erase the darkness at the same time they stitch together the multiverse. With the multiverse stabilized and the darkness driven away by the light, the Dark Army is released and, I guess, sent back to where they came from. Uh... (laughs) All that's left of Pariah's darkness is what remains within Nightwing, but he manages to overcome it and end the battle. 
In the end, the real light in the darkness are the heroes who give us hope, and the younger generation represents hope for the future, which is why Dick Grayson was uniquely suited to stop this threat. In the end, everything seems to have gone back to the status quo. All of the heroes are back, none of the villains were captured except Deathstroke, and the only person left out unaccounted for is Oliver Queen. But the real consequence of the crisis seemed to be the way the heroes think about the future. Batman and the others have decided to let the concept of the Justice League rest until they can rethink the group's mission statement, its purpose, and its legacy. Until then, they're leaving Nightwing and his generation to lead the way into tomorrow. And tomorrow looks like it's going to involve Amanda Waller trying to totally eradicate all metahumans with the help of a weird team that's got two different peacemakers and (laughs) what appears to be an evil version of the Superman-Batman fusion from World's Finest Number 4, which I imagine you were happy to see. (laughs) Well, appropriately on the Farewell episode, you gotta, at least you gotta give Chad credit for at least pushing for us to do that considering even though yes this is going to be like the bizarre world version of this character since this is obviously a batman a batman superman sinestro or sinestro core mix as opposed to a green lantern mix but still uh yeah the only good thing about the ending is at least we know it's not going to be another crisis level event in 2023 but i don't think anybody was overly pumped to see amanda waller being the big bad that's really that's really gonna that's really gonna pump the nads of dc comic fans everywhere with Peacemaker and Peace Wrecker, who is the chick. I yeah, and who the hell knows the person behind them who kind of looks like a like a version of the Batman who laughs and and uh oh what yeah, Prometheus. I don't know. I don't know who's bad. There's been there's apparently been like like you could follow Amanda Waller through through a bunch of storylines over the last few years. Like I think the latest thing she was in was uh that War for Earth three crossover. Uh, before that, it was the, the whole, uh, Suicide Squad series that came out of Future State. Like, like there's been, Amanda Waller has been doing lots of Suicide Squad slash multiverse stuff lately to the point that I kind of want her, I don't know. I, if it kind of feels like she's always showing up in the same kind of story. Where it's like, all right, the government's decided to do something about superheroes. Go get them, Amanda. Here's your here's your task force. And like, hope I I hope they have some kind of creative spin on it this time. And of course, whatever the hell the Council of Light is. That I think that's a, supposed to be the uh, like. Did you ever watch the Young Justice cartoon? No. So they introduced the a concept of a group just called the light, which was exactly this. It was a bunch of like bright glowing silhouettes that were kind of orchestrating everything from ironically the shadows and end up being like the injustice league a few seasons later. But I don't know if that's appeared in the comics in this form before now, but I was surprised to see it. Of course, they leave you hanging by the fact they give you certain shapes of their heads to, to try to so to open the door for speculation, I suppose, of who's who. Because you have somebody like somebody looks like they have a cowl. Somebody looks uh they got some spikes on their head. And the one on the left almost looks like Tomar Ray. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, it may, that could be Despero. I don't know. One of, it could be Despero. And you have somebody and the one to the right of Batman looks like they might have pointy ears. 
so it, it's 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 hard to know. I also thought it's a little it's not anticlimactic because it's part of the it's part of the pattern of any of any event. It's like you have to. It's and I understand it. It's like and I don't want to be a hypocrite because if you if you go to a horror if you go to a horror movie or something and there's no hint at the end of what of something that could happen in, if they continue it. You more times than not, at least for me, I would feel disappointed if there's no hint at something at mayhem to come. So, it, so it's not any different than in this. But it would, sometimes it'd be nice if you could end and not necessarily point fingers at where you're going next. But I understand why they do it. I did think it was half-assed that, that they bring that they make it clear that the quintessence somehow is back to life, but they don't tell you how, and they just throw it in as a name drop. Oh, yes. the it's oh by the way. Yes, oh by the way. You know, the Spectre is still part of the quintessence with Jim Corrigan in him. And the quintessence is back to life watching over the universe because they did such a bang up job the last time. I mean, Uh, literally, literally, as soon as Dr. Light and the Flash family save the multiverse, everything bad disappears and everybody goes home. It doesn't matter how much sense it does or does not make. The whole dark art, like ev- nobody's under dark con- darkness control anymore. They all, I guess, teleport back to where they s- were taken from. Also, the quintessence that was dead are alive again. Also, this is like every everything's just over, and and like all the heroes that were fighting off in space are back on Earth suddenly. It, it's just, and hey, the Young Justice is back now. It's, it's all, it's all like. Like, I don't even know why you had to do that. Like, it didn't really matter that these people. I mean, I guess you didn't want to take all the villains off the board by having them get arrested or whatever. But like, I don't know. It was ultra convenient. And they have that whole page just sort of telling you where everybody ended up. And it's like and I read that. I'm like, oh, okay, so so no consequences at all. Got it. And like. I guess I'm kind of, which I guess I'm kind of hypocritical because I love the fact that that uh Justice Incarnate is back in the House of Heroes doing their multiverse stuff. I love that Dr. Light is still out there exploring her powers. I love that the JSA is back. I love that the Titans are rallying around their tower. But like it, once you get to the bottom of the page and you're like and Darkseid is back on Apocalypse and Lex Luthor's planning something. It's like, "Oh, okay, so nothing really it's it's just back to normal now. Okay, I get it. Which wouldn't bother me if the maybe the epilogue was more substantial because like I would actually have rather the epilogue be something be like a scene that is hopeful, not one that's supposed to be foreboding. Cuz like the whole this whole event was like we have to f- struggle against the darkness well we did that and we won so how about we bask in the light for a few extra pages you know like like i don't even know what i would want i would want it to be like this this is where you should get like your your epilogue on the on the beach in wakanda forever you know like give (laughs) give us something like a nice personal moment like like this should no you know what it should be the final the final few pages of the story, the epilogue of the story should have been Dick at Titan's tower talking to other heroes of his generation as they look towards tomorrow. Yes, I, I agree. It was for something that's supposed to be all about all of that hope and looking forward. And that, and that's probably why partially why 
based on the context of where they want to, what they want you to think this is going, that that would have been that they wanted to kind of like reinforce, oh, things are going to be different, which ha ha ha, we know they really are never different. But if you wanted to further the illusion, that would have been a good time to not have the hint at the next upcoming evil that you're going to have to deal with. And you could justify it in story because you can, you know, you can do that. You can, you can build you can build towards because obviously when they did the infinite frontier, like the, the one shot or whatever, that was the one that was laying the groundwork for this whole mess that turned out to be really not worth the trip. You know, talk about the uh, the uh, journey being more important than the destination. Neither was particularly enjoyable. Uh, like, it, like if they wanted to like the first page of this epilogue is them like teasing like, oh, here's the next storyline in Batman. Here's Lazarus planet here. Like, I would rather they just do that thing where they put a bunch of full page ads for upcoming storylines in the front or back of the book, you know? Yeah. And even honestly, and even the 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 thing that, that we're supposed to believe is coming with with Amanda Waller and everything that the the, re, the reality is it seems like it's kind of like a it's like a rip like a rip off of uh the days days of future past and then what the hell was the other thing it reminded me of like civil war it's a little civil war but there was another storyline in particular when I saw this that that it it, it remind it reminded me of but it but it seems like it's just you know it's it's kind of like been like been there done that and it's like well, it's, it's- it's funny because like they on the one hand, they make a really good, good attempt at at uh, selling this as a threat because they make a point. They're like, yeah, you, you know what? The governments of the world do have prisons that can hold supervillains and the supervillains are at least as powerful as the superheroes. So they really probably could incarcerate every superhero if they actually wanted to or at least most of them which okay the which ratchets up the threat level of whatever there is coming next but then the forerunners of what's coming next are amanda waller and another random team of superpowered mercenaries which okay i have a hard time taking that seriously as too big of a threat especially after we've just seen the whole superhero community rally together to fight off all this stuff yeah, and you're right. It was Civil War, but it was in particular. It reminded me of the Sokovia Accords parts in particular. Uh, yeah. That 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 was the actual term that I, I just dawned on me when I'm looking at it. But you were right. It's still technically part of Civil War. Uh, yeah, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, you, you that's the only problem with having this big crisis level threat. Then you make it clear that hey, we're we're dropping it down to like uh more of an earthbound threat, which I guess it's good. I mean, on one level, it's better than the next crisis, you know. Oh yeah, uh, I would but, I would absolutely rather have like smaller solo adventures than try to like you should not end your crisis story by trying to tease something that will top your crisis story. I agree. You mentioned the Dark Army. I mean, talk, I mean, you have all these incredibly superpowered, dangerous, warped versions of these characters who turn out to do absolutely nothing. It's like they're not even there. I mean, you literally almost see none of them because because it's all Deathstroke all the time. Yeah, it's funny. Like I saw somebody on on Twitter. Hey, remember Twitter? (laughs) I saw somebody (laughs) on there who, um, you know, I had posted a screenshot of a panel from issue. I think issue six where. uh, The big battle in front of the Hall of Justice, which first gang started and everybody was 
big group of heroes were fighting a big group of villains. The Justice League hadn't returned yet, and it it featured Starfire attacking Necron by herself. And I I just kind of jokingly posted like, hey, all the respect in the world to Starfire for trying to solo Necron while all the lanterns are busy. And somebody who follows me saw that and said like, and they were like beside themselves. They're like, they couldn't believe it because Blackest Night was like the, like their first comic book event. It was like the story that got them into, into reading comics and Green Lantern. So to them seeing Necron show up again is like massive deal. And for the purposes of like, for the purposes of this story, it kind of could have just been an army of shadow demons. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's again, the threat, you know, the, the you think about it, the, the threat just wasn't really there. We knew, we kind of knew the dark army wasn't going to be much of anything considering how late in the game they got into the action as far as on earth to begin with that, you know, at least they, they reinforced exactly, at least they gave us, a, I mean, we kind of, you made the point and you were correct and you in making your case why it was clear that, you know, prior was just nuts the whole time, but they reinforced that fact in this issue by absolutely confirming that. Oh yeah. Prior was nuts. He was just hearing voices that, and, and that the uh, great darkness was asleep the whole time. I was like, eh, like, it's like a pet getting into bed or something with the great darkness. And maybe, maybe, maybe he rolled over slightly, but he never woke up that dark army was never, it was never really a threat. Pariah essentially got what he wanted. He just wasn't alive for it. Yeah. You know, which is another thing. It's like, you know, he created, he wanted, he brought back all these worlds that were destroyed in the, in, in the original, in the original crisis. And then, but he couldn't stabilize anything. So, so the heroes helped basically give him what he wanted. He just wasn't around to like either bask in the glow of it or to put things in place to guarantee its protection down the road. And for some, I don't know, for something that like to, to, that literally was billing itself as the natural successor, the true sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths, this kind of did suck pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, well, if it was billed as that eventually, like so much of it, I don't know. Part of me wants to reread this miniseries again just to see if it if it's better the second time around or better in a single sitting or something, because so much of the larger meaning of it feels like it was tacked on like the <clears throat> like I genuinely like the page where Nightwing is is uh, breaking free of the darkness because like what he's what he says, because uh, like Slade and Black Adam are fighting. Black Adam is powerless at this point. Slade is talking about how uh, we have to stop. Basically, he's like, life is pain. Nothing has a point. We have to stop kids from following in our footsteps. Better to just end everything. And Nightwing says, you'll never get it, Slade. We're not following in anyone's footsteps. All of us walk together. No matter the world or generation, we embrace our history alongside the new. We To bring hope to everyone that is our legacy like between this moment and the moment from a few issues ago where black adam yells you'll you're you'll never be the justice league and nightwing says we never were we're titans like this book keeps giving dick grayson these moments that embody what i believe the thesis statement of this whole event is supposed to be but i never feel it 
from any moment that isn't Dick Grayson delivering one of those lines. Yeah, that's that's that is a good point. I mean, clearly they're trying. They they wanted to have the summary of what this event what of what they wanted you to feel this event was about, and the point of it was encapsulated through Nightwing just in general. So, and because of that aspect, there are that view on things. There are some positives to take from this. It just seems like you, they set up this big cosmic level, whole multiversal threat, and it's like, well, at the end of the day. Even the way they solved the problem is like, hey, we'll just send the flashes out there. And, and Dr. Light, who became the Duex Machina, is like, we'll send them out together. And hey, look what we're made, look what we were able to do. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to make a story that's supposed to give resolution to something that was left hanging from Crisis on Infinite Earths, I'm glad that it heavily involved Barry Allen and Dr. Yeah. Light. You know, and as, and as we'll talk about in the in the Big Bang thing, yeah, I. I I agree. Uh, again, you know, from a lantern perspective, it's like, it's like you're dealing with light and the importance of light, but yet you can't have white lanterns. You can't. You're dealing with hope, but you have no blue lanterns. Hmm. It's like DC, go f itself. <laughs> well, I'm like, hey, will we give Kyle Rayner a book? No. Will we give him the power of Shazam? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, and that was a, that was another moment. Speaking of that, I'm glad you said that. That was another moment that just that just reeked of the last issue of Blackest <laughs> Night. Blackest Night. Thank you. Shoot me now. Uh, when when the, when the White Lantern power got spread into everybody, they were all oh, kind of yeah. like deputy White Lanterns. That's what this reminded me of too. I mean, I saw that splash page. It's like wow. Now now they're ripping off the, the final issue of of another one of their big events because it's just it's because it's Blackest Night all over again. My mind kept wanting to say Final Night. That's why I kept stopping myself. It's like, that's not right. Blackest yeah. Night. So, so if there was so much in this issue that was just not even, it just... That was one of the better looking spreads in the Oh, book, absolutely. Though. It was all, it was cool. And and it spoke to, again, they're, you know, Black Adam, they're not trying to make Black Adam out to be anything different than he is uh, in the big picture, but they do, but they did give him a lot of good moments in this issue. And the fact that even his, his, his non-compliment compliment to Superman's son, which yeah. was kind of funny. Uh, it's like, was that a compliment? I'm not sure. It's like, yes, it was. It's like, also, the the panel before he flies away at the end, that is the one time in this book that they draw him to look just like Dwayne Johnson. Oh, you're yes, you're you're absolutely correct. I did note I did notice I did notice that too. That uh, actually and mo- actually even mo- most of the I think the whole I think yeah the the exchanges there I think. Just in general, but you're right. He looks the most rock-like when he says about it. But even when he's just staring at the Justice League, at the tower, the Hall of Justice being rebuilt, he kind of he kind of does look like him a little. Too, he's even sure. doing. He's like kind of doing the eyebrow thing. It's weird. <laughs> How do you feel about Black Adams? Because like you've been kind of like you not really sold on his role in this in this book so far. Like, do you feel like it came together at the end? Because he's kind of like when he we get like that amazingly well-drawn and colored page of him close up yelling i would die for them like do you do you feel that moment is earned i would say yes i would say they and in their march to firmly ingrain the anti-hero over villain aspect or debate when they are to to make make it clear which side dc editorial is weighing in on that i do think they did a good job 
in oh, I did th- I think overall in the whole series they did they did do a good job. The the issue the issue was because of Black Adam's past and because it was never necessarily that any of us really believed oh, oh Black Adam was a double agent in the storyline. It's just the fact that because you because of his questionable past and just because there were he seen he was in he wasn't necessarily written consistently as far as what he knows and what he what he knows what he doesn't know and compared to what he should know and what he shouldn't know that it made it hard to just ignore all that just because it's a storytelling problem but as a character i think they had an arc for him and they had they had him grow at the end and again even though he's not he's on the surface making it sound like hey you know stay out of my way or i'll kill you next time that the reality is you, you kind of know that he has softened a little bit and that at least as a team that he's more of a team player than you would have yeah. imagined he would be before. And it's that weird balancing act of we want to feature this character in our big event because he's got a movie coming out at, during the same time. Uh, but also, hey, he's kind of sometimes he's a villain and sometimes he's a hero. How can we uh, how can we use that that seesaw balance in our story? And like to their credit, the role of his magic lightning is something that has been very consistent and very well set up leading up to the to his big moment in this issue. Because like, okay, the entire Justice League and Justice Incarnate, mostly Justice Incarnate, fall to the Dark Army, except <laughs> for Black Adam, who gets out because he yells Shazam and the lightning drives Pariah off of him. He is the only person that does not get corrupted when the Legion of Doom falls. He's like, he keeps being the last person standing and it's heavily implied his lightning has something to do with it. So when push comes to shove, he uses it to drive drive the, the darkness away from Slade and, and infuse it into all the other heroes so now they're immune like like the immunity was never directly stated before this happened but it was always kind of implied and it makes enough sense with what we were shown so like at least on that on that aspect i feel like oh yeah this that's fair i like this i like that little reveal yeah that's i think that was one thing that was if i'm if you're looking at character arc perspective in this story, I think you can't really say that they didn't do a pretty good job with Black Adam versus some of the other interactions. Maybe you could have questionable thoughts on what, whether it worked or not, but at least they clearly had a plan for Black Adam in this whole event uh, going back to uh, Justice League 75. So at least they, you know, at least they continued with that. And they and they and so that I think that one actually ended well. So I think that's one positive you have to take from that, from at least from a storytelling perspective, maybe how they got there at times. You know, the road would may have been bumpy, but at least it got you where you it got you to a good place at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm just thinking back on this whole story at this point. I feel like I feel like it would have been better if it had like if it was focused on a small group of main characters like still involve the whole dc universe and everything but like imagine a version of this story where the main characters are are you know dick grayson black adam dr light and like maybe barry allen i don't know like like really emphasize where we where we came from which is the first crisis and where we're going which is 
the generation that came up under the Justice League. You know, like right. I don't know. It's because I'm I'm looking over this. I'm like, yeah, wow. They the the characters that really came into their own by the end, like you know, like Dick Grayson, even though he wasn't, he didn't come into the story right away. And and then I realized, hey, wasn't John Kent kind of important at the beginning of this story? He sure wasn't at the end of the story. He kind of had his big moment last issue and. I think he's in like two panels this issue. <laughs> but he gets Black Adam's seal of approval and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I will t- I will say this. I do kind of appreciate the 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 whole concept of the great darkness manifesting as chains around people because like as I was reading this issue it just sort of clicked for me that to Deathstroke and Pariah legacy it's literally a chain around your neck that binds you into darkness and despair. Like to them, legacy just means repeating the mistakes of the past generation. So better to cut it all off and end the cycle of misery. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm like reading what the things Deathstroke is saying about how, like how bad everything is and what he thinks, thinks the like legacy means. And I'm like, Oh, that's why it's chains. That's what that's what this is. Okay. And it made me appreciate that visual metaphor. Yeah, I think that's true. If you look if you think about that and that <clears throat> analogy, uh, and what they're trying to accomplish in in a visual format, I agree. I think that I think that that is a good encapsulation of the idea that they're trying to get across in this. So I think that you that's another that's another plus. Uh how long do you think it'll be before Deathstroke is Deathstroke again? Yeah. Is that big- the, at the end of this, it's like he's he I guess his he, super soldier serum is shot. <laughs> yeah, like all the stuff that made him all death strokey is gone and he's in immense pain and in stasis in the super jail or something. Uh, I don't know, but sometime in twenty twenty three. Who knows? Maybe maybe Amanda Waller is gonna use him. Yeah. Maybe she'll be part of his her her ragtag group of losers that are supposed to make us think that uh they're going to bring the entire DCU down to its uh, knees. But, hey, it's not a crisis. Maybe, you know, Lazarus Planet is coming soon. Maybe Slade will get fixed. You're there. right. You're right. Hey, maybe by the, <laughs> yeah, maybe by the end. You never know. Yeah. Are you going to read Lazarus Planet? Probably not. I feel like that's a that's a trade paperback on sale kind of thing for me. Yeah, I would agree. It's one of those things. If you're going to read it, you read it when it's done because there's no because it's it's not something. Not that this turned out to be something we needed to to read weekly anyway, since it didn't have that much effect on weekly books. Not that we have one right now. So what does it really matter? Hey, we monthly never books. had a weekly Mo- book. Monthly books. I'm sorry. I I I ruined my own setup. Monthly book. Well, we kind of almost had we almost had these like a weekly book when we ever ha- were having Green Lantern books come out every week <laughs> because yeah. we have so many of them. But yes, monthly books. We don't have a monthly book to screw up with an, with an event because we don't have a monthly book. Yes, yeah, back during the New Fifty Two, which hey, in multiverse is infinite again. Yeah, I'm not even against the idea of restoring the infinite multiverse. It's it's like what we talked about last issue where I don't. I don't functionally understand the difference between an infinite multiverse that's all right there next to each other and a, I guess, limited size multiverse 
that's in an omniverse filled with unlimited numbers of limited multiverses. Like at at the end of the like like that's like taking like a massive field and putting up fences that make it into a grid. Like you still have the same amount of field. It's just harder to get to each section. Like you you can still tell all the stories you want on all of those worlds. Who cares if the fence is there or not? You know. Well, they they also keep wanting to have their cake and eat it too because it's like because the 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 multi original multiverse was supposed to be reestablished at the end of Convergence, and then and was then it? It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it well, was. There's, well, there's that, your problem, Mark. Nobody read Convergence. I know because 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 the I think if I remember correctly, like they figured out that the like the which was weird, like the only way to basically put things put things back after Parallax screwed up and wiped out the big bad guy one, you know, one, two, three, like in the final issue, which was funny, but still the fact that the only way that like, there was just, there was too much data. There were too much, too many like band, like bandaid fixes now in these crisis events. And the only way to go back and prevent and fix it was to basically prevent, prevent the original crisis on infinite earth from wiping out everything that got wiped out. So that's when they sent back the team of, like Superman and Lois and Barry Allen and Parallax and they all went and Supergirl, I think, and they all went back and the story they never told us about how they stopped the anti-monitor and by doing and by doing so they prevented basically the entire crisis from happening and the multiverse. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But but then you get the caveat that oh somehow the first worlds that were destroyed before maybe it became officially Crisis on Infinite Earths they were never brought back somehow and that's what Pariah was trying to bring back he wasn't really trying to bring back you know the entire the entire multiverse in but technically he was trying to he was in a way but not because so many multiple universes got wiped out he was just trying to bring back the individual worlds that were never brought back previously to put it back to the original put the puzzle back to in its original yeah like it's a final shape put the putting the puzzle all together with all the pieces back that were originally there to begin with when you basically put Poured it out of the box, and and when you put it all together, this is what it looked like before somebody grabbed like like twenty pieces and took it away. That's yeah, what that's what I he guess. wanted in this, which he got, but he but he's dead, quote unquote. He's probably I not. Have, he, I mean, he I, mark my words, he is in a happiness prison because he, he or an unhappiness we saw prison. Him, well, we saw him die in the exact same manner yep. that we saw the Justice League transported to their dream worlds, and as, as he faded away. He says something about how he could see his home world. So I, th- I think Pariah is very firmly alive. He is on a happiness world dream prison somewhere in the now infinite multiverse. And all this made me realize I have absolutely no idea how many worlds are in the mul- how many universes are in the multiverse immediately before this event. Was it still fifty two? I don't know. No, there were more. Could have been more, I guess. More. Which again, well, that was whole, whatever. That was the whole point of this about the omniverse garbage is the fact that because again, which is a stupid mix on terms. If you have an, if you have a, if you have like a almost like an infinite multiverse anyway, why do you have to even call it an omniverse? It kind of it's the same thing. It's I don't know. And obviously, infinite frontier talk talk about a horrible initiative that meant nothing. I mean, the thing last it it started and stopped almost you know so so quickly. It meant nothing. And then they've already moved on from that era. At least the new 52 lasted for a bunch of years before they pulled the plug on it for not working. Uh, rebirth, I don't know how many, I forget how many years rebirth was. 
but I still think Rebirth lasted longer than than, front, than the Infinite Frontier. It certainly seems it. But uh, good thing all that's over because now we have Dawn of the DCU. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Which, hey, man, we're getting two different Green Lantern books in around April, so you should be happy. And the JSA is back. And yeah, there's there's there is a lot of cool stuff happening. There could be yes. Let's. Yeah. All right. Do you want to roll? You want to walk us uh, through this epilogue, Big Bang, so we can yes. put Dark by the Crisis way, re- to bed. I read these issues in the complete wrong order. By the way, I think I started with Warzone, and then I did Dark Army, and then I did Big Bang, and then I did issue seven. I think I read I Big. I think I read Big Bang first. Yeah. So Big Bang is Dark Crisis. Big Bang is the final one shot here. It is essentially an epilogue to dark crisis we have barry allen flash and wallace west kid flash going exploring the new stabilized multiverse because barry is is concerned that the anti-monitor might already be out there trying to destroy it and yeah he is uh barry builds up momentum by circling the globe a bunch of times and then uses a series of infinite mass punches to send the anti-monitor monitor careening across like a dozen universes before the anti-monitor catches him but then kid flash managed to round up the cavalry a big group of heroes from all over the multiverse including green lantern batman Uh, they all work together to fight the anti-monitor before opening a portal to the anti-matter universe and throwing him into it then everybody just sort of laughs and goes home and i will say this this was kind of strange in that it felt like a Saturday morning cartoon version of the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. It was odd. I mean, again, I mean, it's it's one of those things when you if you open if you open the door to almost like uh, the whole Thanos line that the anti monitor is inevitable. That it kind of it kind of takes away any. It doesn't take away the threat, but it takes away any satisfaction or relief you might get in temporarily defeating him because you. And it's and it's and it does seem odd they're going they're going down that road to make it sound like this, you know, that the anti monarch is kind of like, hey, he's going to come back and do this again. Or or he's going to or we interrupted him from doing it the first time. So now he's going to come back and try it again, because technically he didn't do it. The, I, I don't even understand part of this. Well, the, the what's weird is the timing is like Barry based seemingly on nothing just says, you know what? The infinite multiverse has been back for a, about 10 minutes. I bet the anti monitor is out there trying to eat it again. And he's just right. Like, wh- what? Yeah, I. And even in this issue, they, they, they make it clear that, you know, that he's, he's indestructible, really. And which you've kind of seen before, even with, you know, what Necron used him for in in blackest night but yeah i don't know but it 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 just seems like it almost seems like they're kicking the can down the road to literally do crisis on infinite or it's two <laughs> which, i mean which will probably be the next legitimate and no all pun intended sequel to crisis on infinite earth yeah i mean i'm not opposed to them bringing the anti-monitor out of retirement every now and then like i think Putting him in Sinestro Core War and then Blackest Night was really cool. I think uh, if have you read um, the Dark Side War in Justice League? No. 
You should. It is I think it's two trades long. It is a really good Justice League story that kind of culminates in a battle between the Anti-Monitor and Darkseid. It is really, really good. But yeah, I mean, it's it just seemed like a weird... This was a weird idea for a one-shot because it's like, all right, we're going to pull out one of the final bosses of DC Comics and and just have like the Flash and Kid Flash and a random multiverse team of heroes fight him for a few pages before sending him back to his home planet or something. And then we're going home, I guess. Like, I I don't know. It, it was it like it was interesting to see Barry start to lose it a little because of his history with the Anti-Monitor. And he was like willing to sacrifice anything to keep it all from happening again. And like seeing that side of him come out is something that I'm not used to. So that's like really kind of interesting, but it was all, you know, it, it was, it, it was gone in a flash, you know, <laughs> like it almost felt like if you wanted to do a mini series to spin out of this, that's what you should have done. Like that's what this should have been like, Barry Allen and Wallace like going through the multiverse checking on things like s- trying to make sure we don't lose it so soon after getting it or hell this is a case for there being two flashbooks like let Wally keep the main flashbook and just do like your your uh, everyman grounded superhero stuff and then have another flashbook that's about Barry and Kid Flash exploring the multiverse and every issue can be on a different earth and the overarching story can be like the hunt for the anti-monitor to to try and cut him off before he tries anything to me to me honestly it almost seemed like this story would have worked better if this was something that happened during during when the flashes were out trying to restore the multiverse and stabilize it that to me to or maybe me, that, like Barry noticed something. Yes, that it, it almost trip. been like a, it almost would have been like a, you, they could they could have in theory even referred to it just momentarily, in the actual and one of the proper issues, and then just give give you a little the little the little asterisk in the box. Check out, you know, see Dark Crisis, Big Bang, or whatever. But the reality is, it that almost seemed like it would have had more weight and had more meaning if it was something they had to deal with. Uh, because something about the the way the universe, the way the multiverse was either restored and or trying to be restored is what was grabbing the anti-monitor's attention or, again, short circuiting what, the, what, you know, what the anti-monitor did in the past. And now all of a sudden there's some anomaly that's making him do something. Either way, it almost seemed like that would have been it would have worked better as a threat they had to overcome in order to get the multiverse stable, the new multiverse stabilized as opposed to this because that don't to me it just seems like well like you said it's you're bringing out one of the big bads in the in the dcu just as a, in a throwaway one shot even though it's not it's beautifully drawn because it's dan jurgen so i i will never turn down a good dan jurgen's book but it's like it, it's almost like setting the stage for well they, they're telling you in this issue that you, that you can't get rid of the anti-monitor which is kind of weird because that, I don't think that was always the battle cry with the anti monitor, right? Because didn't, because technically they got rid of the anti monitor at the end of cri- uh, at the end of crisis, because they were still using like the husk of his corpse, right? An infinite crisis, wasn't that what Alex Luther was using? Besides, you know, yeah, just, yeah, so, yeah. And then, and we we saw him being able to be tamed and certainly not be the same powerful character in, in Sinestro Core War and 
in Blackest Night, though you could make the case when he was restored to life, that maybe that put him back to his to his original status. But that seems to me, I could be wrong. It seems like it's a retcon to make it sound like, oh, kind of like what Jim and I talked about with Darkseid in the, in the last pre-birth, the idea that, oh, there are some things that just need to exist in the universe you can't just wipe out, even though, again, it's a, it's a shaky theory. So the idea that, hey, you can't really get rid of, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. One of those things. Yeah. So it's, like, well, but, it's, it's, a, it's the whole, uh, it's a whole, like, how do you prop up? How do you how do you prop up the threat of Necron? Well, you make him subjugate the Anti Monitor because we all know how big a threat the Anti Monitor is, and if the Necron's a bigger threat, then oh boy, now you have perspective on what the heroes have to overcome. Right. And at the, but at the same time, they also have the instinct of like, well, the Anti Monitor is one of our biggest villains in every way, so we need to keep those pieces on we need to keep that piece on the board for whenever we want to bring it out like much like how this ended with with uh and dark side's back on apocalypse and up uh, lex luther's back in his lab tinkering they want to establish that yep the anti-monitor is out there somewhere and he could show up again when you least expect it or when we actually expect it <laughs> yeah the only other thing for this issue is uh so back before uh, the crisis started. Barry was working with Justice Incarnate to map the multiverse. And at the end of this issue, we got a couple pages of of uh, what Barry has observed on a handful of worlds across the, the new multiverse. And a few is a lot of it is just like, hey, that that classic Elseworlds story you remember, it's got an Earth. And hey, those new those new wacky miniseries we've been publishing, like like Jurassic League and DC Mech and uh, Dark Knights of Steel, they have Earths. But there are a couple here that were of note to me that I just wanted to point out. So the Earth One books, the Earth One gra- original graphic novels, are officially on Earth One in the multiverse. I don't know if that was always true. Uh, surprising to me... The new 52 version of the JSA is still on Earth 2. So the so the the cast of characters from the new 52 book titled Earth 2 are still out there in the multiverse. DC Superhero Girls of all things is on Earth 96. Uh Ty Fam and his whole his whole world from uh, Green Lantern Legacy and Green Lantern Alliance is on Earth 98 and most head scratchingly of them all, the DC Marvel Amalgam Universe is on Earth 1996, which is appropriate. But yes, I did like I did like that one. I did, which again, as some people have pointed out, whether it's ever whether it's actually going to happen or not. Oh is, God, no! Is the is the thing is remember what Jeff Johns kind of hinted at? What was that at the end of the? Uh, the thing with Doctor Manhattan or whatever that that there was going to be some some big, cri- big some some big crisis coming in whatever twenty twenty whatever and we're basically hinting that that the DCU and 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 Marvel was going to be going to be teaming up because that's where that's where somehow Doomsday was supposed to basically save Superman for some weird Hulk version or something. So by that, hey, but great. but it open but it opens the but it reminds you, but it just gives you the hint that maybe. They're leaving doors open for doing some business with each other, which they really haven't done in a, in a bunch of years now to, to, to make to acknowledge that the amalgam universe still technically exists. God, even if they don't, I'm fine. 
I would like to see it, but but if this line of text is all we get, I don't care. Iron Lantern is canon. Yeah, Iron Lantern. Still something that needs to be done. We have to do on this show one day. Iron Lantern and Speed Demon because they both are they both are Green Lantern related. Iron Lantern is more directly related, but Speed Demon relates to relates to Hal Jordan and things of that nature too. There's versions of Hal Jordan, I think, and a Guardian. In that hmm. in that one too, um, it's just not as blatantly obvious as a as a Hal Jordan, Tony Stark amalgam in Iron Lantern, but there's, but both of them are, both of them are important if you're looking at Green Lantern tie-ins to the amalgam world. Yep. All right. So, so we, that's Dark Crisis. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Dark Crisis. We we made it through, Dan. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it like maybe. Like we're recording this a couple days before Christmas. I think the, maybe the week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm gonna reread the miniseries just to see if I feel different about it. But yeah, I think it was it was aggressively average, and I'm looking forward to some of the solo stories that are coming after it, <laughs> and hoping it'll be better. So we're, we're believing in DC's promotion of hope because because we certainly hope the stories is going to be better this summer. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, well, just to prove that we are honest on the show, we uh we did tell you that uh Chad had promised to check in and send his voicemail. Now we didn't think it was going to happen while we were recording, <laughs> but Chad did uh Chad did. He couldn't give... wait That's to right. gush about his love for Dark Crisis. Yeah, something like that. So he'll give us his thoughts on Dark Crisis and uh. The current status of the world in the world of Chad Bochum. And so let's play that and then we'll we'll come back and discuss. Hey, guys, it's Chad. Uh, just checking in, man. I, I, I picked a absolutely fantastic time to give things a try because reading this last issue of Dark Crisis, what the holy hell was that? Because. With everything that went on in this series and its various tie-ins, so on and so forth, we've been saying this entire time how none of this makes sense and how, like, the threats didn't seem really big and, like, they really mattered. There was a lack of consequence and everything. And we just ended the whole thing on Amanda Waller and Peacemaker in them? Nah. I mean, I'm curious about that, you know, Batman-esque Superman combination with the yellow lamp, like that whole thing. But man, Amanda Waller. Ooh, what a cliffhanger. I suppose the only other thing to talk about was I actually did like that uh, Joe story. Uh, they seem to be like trying to make Joe and Hal friends again, which always seems so insincere to me because they've had two seconds of time together. And my God, <laughs> what, what have you gotten me into this time, Hal? It makes no sense. But, man, I, I, I can't wait uh, to hear y'all drop the episode. It's going to be cool. Uh, I've already got some great auditions lined up on other podcasts. I can't wait to see how those shake out. You know, star rising higher, guys. I can't wait. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely check in and let you know how things go. All right, y'all have a good recording. Bye. All right, Dan, what did you think? God, it's it's just so good to hear his voice after all this time. <laughs> I know. It's been so long. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, let's be honest. I don't think we're surprised that he hated Dark Crisis Seven. <laughs> Although I will say, I, I have, I, I mostly agree with him, except on the front that you know, 
once you've once you've gotten into a weird situation with someone twice, that you can officially start saying, "Oh, what do you got me into this time?" They had a first time, and this is the second time, so that 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 warrants a this time. Yeah, on that level, it's like you 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 make a good point, but it's it's good to see that he he didn't let us down. Yeah, he like it pretty much absolutely met his low bar of expectations and it's like uh i told you this was going to mean nothing and it did <laughs> yeah <sighs> and yeah. and he he and he kind of uh, and he didn't surprise me with his thought with his thoughts on uh the joe story too other than the fact that he generally liked it he just he we didn't really talk about this point but he was right that again playing up the hat like hal and Hal and Joe are supposed to be buddy buddy when they when they interacted with each other for like you know like five minutes and uh at the end of the in, in issue eleven and twelve or whatever it was of the of the Jeffrey Thorne book, so it is like what have you got? That was a good point. What have you got me into this time? I was like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Another keeping the Thanos theme going, but yeah, and 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 it's good to see that uh he thinks he has prospects at least. So that's so that's good. He's not he's listen not, I. I, I'm just happy he's finally taking the initiative and starting the Fandom Stranger podcast. Like that's, I've been I've been pushing him in that direction for so long, and now now he's finally just got his whole life ahead of him, and and just all that brimming potential, and that that hungry, dare I say, starving Phantom Stranger fan community is just waiting. To welcome him into their loving embrace. Well, he couldn't wait much longer for that Ragman monthly book. <laughs> he had, he had, he had, he had to move on from that. It's like, uh, he, he'd have, he'd have more luck in his, uh, quest to, uh, get those like top shirt, shirtless pics of, uh, either Sandoval and, uh, what, what's his other man crush? Uh, <laughs> I know besides Jamal Campbell, <laughs> the guy I always forget, uh, the one from the Thorn book, but either way, uh, and any of those obsessions would be would be more likely to pay off than doing a doing a a Ragman podcast. Though if there ever is a Ragman monthly book, no matter where Chad goes, we'll allow Chad to come on to give reviews of that, even if they're and five minutes long. And I'll bring his best friend Dexter Soy with us. That's it, Dexter Soy. If you Dexter- we got there, Mark, we that's did right. it. Thank you. That, we've, yes. secure, we've secured the future of the Lantern Cast. That's right. Dexter Soy, if you're listening to this, you better keep your blinds closed at all times. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Dan. If it, if it, unless there's something else you want to add to Dark Crisis, this, this is your time to talk about Mosaic Comics. Know. Yeah, I don't know. If I have anything else to say about Dark Crisis, I'll probably make a video about it. And you can <laughs> see that video on YouTube.com slash C slash Mosaic Comics. It is my my mostly Green Lantern focused comic book analytical video channel where I just I go in depth on thinking way too much about my favorite thing, which is comics, which is usually about Green Lanterns. Uh, I just finished doing like a whole bunch of Red Lantern related content, both both the uh, Charles Soule run of Red Lanterns when Guy joined the group as well as the the brand new golden age red lantern that they just retconned into existence over for the js the current jsa run um currently in the middle of working on a 
bunch of stuff for the new year, including another another fairly large audience question and answer video and just a ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. February is going to be a big month, I'll say. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I'm really looking forward to getting to dig into the Jon Stewart Emerald Knight one shot that is coming in just a week from when we're recording this. So if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on any of that stuff or you want a big back catalog of Green Lantern content to satisfy you now that you're all caught up on the Lantern cast, go on over to YouTube, search for Mosaic Comics, and let's just geek out together. And Dan and I will be back to discuss the Jon Stewart one shot soon enough. That should be that should be interesting to see how they try, how they how they consolidate basically potentially years of what Jeffrey Thorne wanted to run in one one shot and try to make it coherent. <laughs> yes, because because his run was supposed to be three arcs and we got one. Yeah. So it'll be I'm I'm interested to see what ended up making it, and I am very he Jeffrey Thorne is a writer that has been fairly. Willing to be candid about the process, his process and what stuff meant and why he did things and what he was going to do before it got canned. So I think we're going to hear a lot of juicy stuff in the coming months. I hope so. It, it, it would, if for nothing, if for nothing else or for no other reason, it's just the fact that yes, it's nice lifting the veil, but it's also nice. But it's also good, I think, for people to understand how how things work as far as sometimes there there are and we've seen tons of this, even especially related to Green Lantern, when it's just it's editorial that drives the bus. And the reality is that you do have a choice. Your choice could be, well, I'm not gonna do it. I quit. <laughs> but you also have to look at that potentially as repercussions for your career. But even beyond that, even if you don't think that it will come back and boomerang on you. You have to think, well, is is it better for me to take this swing and deal with this and see what I can and maybe I can make it work or just walk away? So whether it's something like Thorn being being forced, you know, what? Hey, destroy the central power battery, but destroy the central power battery. And, and so it would be interesting to see exactly once when it wraps up, how much of the story that he got to tell, even in the 12 issues, plus the mini was edit even it'd be interesting to know even if the direction that they for based did they force him to go the direction that he did in those less than stellar future state stories that basically almost set up where he where he had to go in some direction with John Stewart in in the actual monthly I mean was that all his doing as in how are you putting John Stewart here and dealing with this or was that editorial make saying well we needed something we needed you can do some of this as your, you know, we'll give you some free, you know, some freedom and some leeway, but these are the parameters. That's based why on, based on what he's written on his blog, it was kind of all of it because he was already writing. He is, was already writing and revising his Green Lantern run for the third time when they said to him, oh, by the way, we're doing future state. Can you write half of it? <laughs> and. And they gave him very few guidelines about what that had to mean. So it was, I think it was just a case of like, it was literally an afterthought in that he never planned to involve a look into the future as the first piece of the story we got to read and just kind of made the best of it. 
and that makes sense but it it does make sense and again that's that's why getting the veil lifted is is beneficial because you you un, you understand more of the process just like now we know much more of how emerald twilight came to be so when people were focusing all the hate on ron mars and everything the reality is ron mars especially with ron mars's view that you just get you know these are not your toys you just get to play with them in the sandbox for a certain yeah. time that oh, especially yeah. if you're someone who has that general view on on the industry then yeah you're gonna you'll take the opportunity and say well this is not maybe the ideal circumstance and i and you're gonna and you're gonna catch hell potentially and but but you also have the opportunity to do something cool so we got kyle and we got all that out of emerald twilight but at the time everybody just hated ron mars as opposed to the hate if there was going to be any hate or ire it was should have been focused on editorial because they're the ones who basically made that decision and if mars didn't do it somebody else would have they would have found yeah. another writer who was willing to to do it so that's why it's, it's always cool getting and when you get to lift the veil and also it's frustrating it's, it's it's cool to understand the process it's frustrating because sometimes there are really cool stories that get wiped out and you'll never know how they would have gone you know whether it's like the gerard jones version of emerald twilight or or um where van jensen would have gone on with the green lantern core if convergence didn't happen and things like that so i think it's, yeah. it, I, I think from our from our a writing, a writing and reading perspective that I think it's interesting to get when people are willing to discuss the process, I think it helps. It helps us all understand a little better. I just, I just want to see how right I am about where he could have done with Kyle. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be, it would see that's the, that's, that's the only questionable thing now, because unless he really, ha- unless he really has these scripts written so he could literally show them to you, the reality is it'd be real easy for him to say if he's getting shit canned, which he has, that one way or the other, I mean, you want to be polite and say, hey, it was mutual. It doesn't matter that he's not, he, you know, he's not getting to finish his vision or his, if he thought it was going to be a three year run in the book, at least, and then he'd be happy leaving that he's not getting that. That even if he was planning on doing a lot of guy stuff, a lot of Kyle stuff in in year two, or let's, yeah. let me put it this way: even if he wasn't, it'd be really easy. And and there were hints he had hinted at it before, but he wasn't actually going to do it. It'd be really easy now to say that, oh yeah, it was absolutely going to be guy Kyle centric because he you knows fans would probably rally behind him if he did that. So I mean, even if it was, even if he thought it was going to be that at first, and then he pivoted and said, well, it's going to be somewhat that, but I still have so much John stuff to do. It may not be as Kyle and guy heavy as I, as maybe I first thought it would be either way. Now you're in a position in theory, you could say almost anything that you, that would play well. I'm not saying he's a guy that guy that would do that. He probably isn't, but I'm just saying it would be really easy to just say anything now because you got nothing to lose. <laughs> and people, yeah. so, I mean, he's also like, he's, it's not, it's not like that. Green Lantern's the only thing he's writing. Like, oh no, not at all. He's I mean, like the writer on Blood Syndicate and a couple other things right now. But uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm I am genuinely looking forward to the one shot that's coming out next week. My biggest concern is that you know these uh these Donna DC Green Lantern books are being talked about as like going back to basics kinda for the characters and. You know, that that sounds to me like the things I genuinely loved about the run are might get like undone or or put back, you know, like John's ascension somehow gets wiped out or forgotten about or suppressed or the power goes away somehow. Then, well, now I'm just John Stewart again. Yeah. And 
I do kind of like though we we forgot to mention it like at the end when all the fighting was over and the crisis Hal mentions how he's like he's going to stay on Earth Earth for a while because he's been he's been away for too long he just he needs to ground himself for a little while which hey a Green Lantern who lives on Earth who knew who knew it could happen. <laughs> Yeah, I think the biggest thing, the, the most to me, the most intriguing thing about about the one shot will be whether Jon Stewart's powers are still there at the end. Yeah. I mean, it could there would be a dramatic shift for them to be gone based on how things were how the things we were told in like in issue 12. So, yeah. so it's going to be a really some lame, heavy lifting if they're going to try to. That's why I, I I don't necessarily think they will take it away, but. Uh, maybe, but maybe, maybe it's going to be one of those things where kind of, you know, maybe you can get, maybe you can give it away, even if it's, you know, maybe, maybe something like that, maybe that maybe, or, and maybe it's one of those things that's like the, they'll split hairs and well, you can give it away, but deep down the essence is still inside him. And eventually, you know, he can, it'll either manifest itself again, or he can call upon it if he really needs it, but he'll, he'll just believe that he got rid of the power. One of those mind, mind yeah f things that it's like uh so maybe he splits himself in half between like the part of him that refuses to be anything but human and like the god power that he was becoming or something i I don't know i don't know we'll see soon yes we will uh so for us lanterncast.com the email is lanterncast at gmail.com follow us on twitter like us on facebook hashtag geocast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us positive reviews. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. Come on, people, call in, and we don't want Chad to be the only person calling in. <laughs> what did you What did you think of Dark Crisis? Did you read it? Like, what is? What do you feel it did and did not do? Did it meet pro- your expectations? Yes. Did it meet your expectations? Did it surprisingly surpass them because which would probably mean you had absolutely none <laughs> you know you know i would like i would genuinely like to hear from people who Liked who it. were like really enthusiastically all in on this like to them this felt like this like amazing event because like i haven't really seen that from anybody yet and i mean it's it's not possible for there not to be people out oh, there who loved yeah. this like yeah some somebody is going started reading dc comics with this event so that person exists and that person cannot wait to read whatever comes next and i would love to hear from that person i also it also would be interesting to hear from somebody who who kind of were kind of what you said but less that they were so thrilled how they stuck the landing that they were really pumped for this thing the whole time and other people who were actually pumped for this whole event, really, and they ended up leaving the event pumped. <laughs> that, that might be even more rare, but it would be it'll it would be interesting, yes, to see if if there's people who really like this as a this event and why and why they think it's and if they do think it's an, an, a worthy successor to either Crisis on Infinite Earths or is it where they would rank it in the crisis events that we've had going back since from the, the from the original going through now that yeah so i would be curious from from a discussion perspective just to get different views on that yeah so write in emails call the voicemail line it's so, so a really interesting topic as far as i'm concerned it is it is it is absolutely an interesting topic especially since even as an event it kind of <laughs> seemed to like it was almost like a snake it kind of like 
went from side to side in different angles and went up and around and you didn't necessarily think it was going to go there. And you thought this was going to be the focal point. And then, Hey, we got, we, we got rid of, we got rid of Pariah real quick. And now it's, <laughs> now, that was Deathstroke. But well, good night, everybody. Good night.